Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. So, Pastor Mark has been talking about uh, repentance and relationships. He called it the R-Series. So I thought that I'd continue with the R-Series. And when it, I thought about this word uh, when he was talking about repentance. I was thinking about, okay, once you repent and you're forgiven, how, how are you to respond to God's gift of grace and mercy to us? How are we to respond to the call to follow Jesus? You know, and the reason why I thought that was important is because I've, I went through something when I was in college. I used to be in the Campus Crusade, and we memorized scripture, which I forgot a long time ago. And uh, we, we'd meet in Bible studies, things like that. We also did evangelism. We'd go to dorms and just knock on random doors and ask people if they had accepted Jesus. That part I didn't like. That was not for me. And, but, but, and, and because I didn't like that, I felt that I fell short as a Christian. And I felt guilt. And, you know, we were talking in our small group, and there's somebody in our small group had this similar feeling about the fact that he wasn't a street preacher. And he felt guilty for a while until he became a mature Christian. Um, and then Satan, of course, uses that guilt to tell you over and over you're falling short. You're not a good Christian. You're not doing something phenomenal. You're not Billy Graham. So you're not that good. Well, I wanted to talk today about how we respond and how it's okay in what we do and how we respond in the everyday things we do. It's not something extraordinary that's impressive to men. I mean, you talked about that last week. We don't do things to impress other men. We don't do things to impress the world. We do things that are pleasing to God and it's supposed to come from our heart. So, um, so I wanted to talk today about, um, about those, this word respond. How do we respond? And I came up with a list. And it's not a comprehensive list because it's, it's uh, limited by the letters in the word. I assigned a word to each letter and respond. But if we do these things, it's, it's at least a start. And let me tell you something else. When I was doing this message, it was more a message to me, you know, telling me what I needed to do to respond. And hopefully, Holy Spirit will work my words into supernaturally helping you understand and take in what I'm saying today and having him hear what you want to hear. So the first letter in, word in respond is the letter R. And I'm going to save that for last because the last shall be first. All right? So the second letter is E. For that, I came up with evolve, evolve, or to grow. We need to evolve and grow as Christians. If we do that, we're responding. We're responding to God's grace and God's mercy and the call to follow Jesus. Now, some, some Christians, when they're, when they're saved, 
they move on and don't do anything else. You know, they, they, they profess to be Christians, but you don't see it in their actions. You don't see it in, in, in what they do. They don't go to church, but they think they're saved. They, they don't grow. And we need to grow as Christians. I'll tell you why in a second. But here's a couple of statistics for you. Some, when they accept Christ, do attend church. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. And that helps you grow. But if that's all you do, just go on Sunday to church, crack open the Bible during church, pray during church, and then leave, and you forget it about the, until the next week, if you go the next week. That's not really growing as a Christian. You're being static. You're being what the Bible describes as a spiritual baby. Um, here's a statistic. And this is between 2014 and 2017. Just 39% of Catholics attended church within the past seven days. From 2014 to 2017, just 45% of Protestants went to church on average weekly. And uh, Pastor Mark pointed out to me that after COVID, these numbers are even worse. Average attendance has gone from three to four times a month to one to two times a month, and many have adopted attending church online. And let me tell you, if you're watching online, that's a good thing. But if you're physically able to go to a church, you need to go to a church. And you need to go to a Bible church because you're part of the church body. And if you're sitting in home watching it and that's all you do, you're like, uh, say you're a pinky finger in the body of the church. It's like you cut off that pinky finger and put it on a jar on the shelf. It doesn't do your body any good. You need to attend church. All right? Um, but if you attend church regularly, pat yourself on the back because you're in the minority of those who profess to be Christians. But if that's all you do, you're not going to grow. This is what Paul said about spiritual babies. It's 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. So he's talking to his fellow Christians, and he's saying, I can't talk to you as spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. Listen to that. If you're a spiritual baby, you act as if you belong to the world. There's no change in your actions, and people can't see that you're a Christian. Verse 2, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. You still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. Listen to that. If you're a spiritual baby, you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You act as if you're a part of the world, and you're still controlled by your sinful nature. Paul goes on and says, You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other, doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? So get this. The Corinthians, when Paul wrote this letter, had been saved for five years. They've been Christians for five years, and he's telling them, you need to grow. So why do we need to grow as Christians? Well, let me ask you this. Do babies understand language? And so if you're a spiritual baby... Can you understand when the Holy Spirit is trying to talk to you? Can you even hear this uh, Holy Spirit? And here's the other thing. Can you tell right from wrong? Do babies know right from wrong? Do you have discernment? That's why we need to grow. 
We need to grow so we can hear the inner voice from the Holy Spirit, and we need to grow so we can discern right from wrong. Otherwise, we live in a worldly nature. All right? Hebrews 5, 11, uh, 6 to 3. Oh, excuse me. Hebrews 5, 11 through 6. Uh, Hebrews 5, verse 11, through Hebrews 6, verse 3. There's much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. I remember Pastor Mark preached about that a while ago. He preached about baptism uh, the different kinds of baptism, but it was one of those things that's basic that we should know, and he need, doesn't need to teach on that. This is something that small groups can take care of, you know. But let me continue with verse 12. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Verse 13, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant, and doesn't know how to do what is right. So there it says, a spiritual infant doesn't know how to do what is right. Now, a Peter provides a way that we can grow and the way we should grow. This is Second Peter 1, verses 5 through 9. In view of all this, make every effort to respond, that's the word, to God's promises, he says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge, and we'll talk about that in a second. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And what Pastor Mark talked about last week, brotherly affection with love for everyone. Verse 8 says, the more you grow like this, get this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we grow, we become more productive and useful to our God. If we don't grow, we're not useful and we're not productive. Verse 9 says, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So we need to grow. And uh, in the book of Peter, it tells us how. We need to live a morally excellent life. We need to have knowledge. We need to have self-control. We, we need to have patient endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. So I think I covered that. Let's move to the next letter. The next letter is S, and that is submit. We need to submit to God. Another, one, another um, synonyms are we need to be humble, and we need to be teachable. If we're not teachable and we're not humble, we don't submit. Submission means an attitude of lowliness, 
lowliness and obedience grounded in, in the recognition of one status before God as his creatures. And what is humbleness the opposite of? Pride, arrogance, self-importance. That all has to be pushed down, and our humility needs to be brought to the fore. Job 22, 21 says, Submit to God, and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. First uh, Peter 5, verse 6 says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. And as I said, being teachable is a form of submission. Growth is next to impossible unless you're teachable. Uh, Proverbs 18, 15. Let me just say this. We all think we're intelligent, right? Everyone here, I think, are intelligent. Well, this is what Proverbs says, verse 18, 15. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. And listen to what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said about being teachable and being humble. James 1, 19 through 21. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. <clears throat> you must all be quick to listen and slow to speak. You know the phrase, we have two ears and one mouth. So we need to listen twice as much as we talk. <clears throat> he continues, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. And guess who was humble? Jesus. That's right. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Then Jesus said, come to me. You've heard this. All of you who are weary and heavy and carry a heavy burden and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. Our God is humble and gentle. The creator of the universe, it's an awesome God. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So shouldn't we take our cue from Jesus? Be humble and teachable. If you do that, you're responding. So the next letter is the letter P. And guess what word that is? Exactly. Pray. <laughs> I know I didn't need to write that down. As Pastor Mark has often said, a prayer life helps developing a relationship with God. Uh, when you pray, think of it, you're in fellowship with God. And the more you pray, the better, better relationship you'll have with God. Think about when you're growing up, who are you closest to? Your family members, your parents, your siblings, your children. And why? Because you spent years with them in fellowship, most of you anyway. And so we need to stay in fellowship with God. And the only way we can build the relationship with God is by talking to him and by talking with him. And, and I need to do this more. You know, I, I walk Millie, our dog, uh, morning and, every morning and night. But sometimes I just listen to music. And I really should be praying. That's a perfect time to pray. 
that's a good 30 minutes each walk, so an hour a day. And that's why I felt this is a message to me. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, you've all heard verse 17, but let me just read from 16 to 18. Always be joyful. And then 17 says what? Never stop praying. Verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. And what should you pray to God about? Well, you know, of course he wants to hear our needs. So, and, he, and we should pray about our needs, but golly, praise God. Praise God for this life. Praise God for this beautiful day. You know, pray for a spirit of appreciation for his love and grace. You know, that's something we can just pray for anytime. Ask that he will help you in your family relationship and, and uh, to help you love your neighbors. Um, we need to pray for those we don't like. And we need to pray about someone in need. We need to pray about someone who needs Jesus. We need to pray over our tithes and offerings. We need to pray for our church. We need to pray for our church family and for our community and for our nation. Another thing uh, we can do is pray from Scripture. Like I, I like uh, Galatians 5, 22, 23. I can never memorize this. You know, I can do the Boy Scout creed. It's trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. But when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, I have to look down and say, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Very good. But we can pray for that. We can pray that our, our life reflects love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So also pray for humility and for teachability and pray for wisdom. Why? Because we're going through James right now. That's why I know this. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But you can only do that if you have a relationship with him. He's not going to give you wisdom if you don't have a relationship with him, because how are you useful to him? And uh, I thought this was interesting. An American evangelist and pastor, his name was Reuben Torrey, lived a while ago. He says, when we feel least like praying is the time when we most need to pray. Oh, I don't feel like it. Oh, let's see what's on Facebook. You know, for me, it's, oh, let me play another 10-minute game of chess. You know, I could spend 10 minutes with our Lord. So, like I said, this is a message to me, and I hope you get something out of it. So, uh, next on the list is, oh, obey, be obedient to God. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mark talked about obedience. First Samuel, chapter fifteen, God told. Uh, Samuel, to destroy the Amalekites. Oh, Saul, yeah, Saul. God told King Saul to destroy the Amalekites. And uh, he told him to destroy the men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Uh, 
But Paul disobeyed him. He kept the, the good stuff. He kept the livestock. And he, he spared the king. And so God went to Samuel and said that he was disappointed that he had appointed Saul as the king of Israel. And when Samuel confronted Saul, Saul said that, hey, oh yeah, I was going to sacrifice these animals to God. I mean, so what's the big deal? And 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23 says, and this is not in the Bible apps, but I thought this was good. But Samuel, Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. And for obeying God, who is the best example that we have for that? Jesus again. Matthew 14, 35 through 36, when Jesus wanted God to take the cup away from him. It says, he, meaning Jesus, went on a little farther and fell to the ground, and he prayed that, if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass, by, pass him by. And he prayed, Abba, Father, he cried, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. And you know what he did, Philippians 2.8. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So Jesus obeyed the Father and went to the cross. And God expects his children to obey him. So whatever God tells us to do, we must do. And whatever he tells us not to do, we must not do. And a lot of times you think God is having us do things because he doesn't want us to have fun, right? A lot of times he's telling us not to do something to keep ourselves out of harm's way. I don't know how many stories I've heard where somebody has listened to the Spirit and they've avoided a car accident, right? I remember when I was a little infant, I was in the kitchen and my mother had just finished cooking and the kitchen had one of those stoves that had the coils that turned red when it was hot and then when you turn it off, it would turn black, but it would still be hot. And my mother left the kitchen. He says, Aldine, don't touch the stove. It's still hot. <clears throat> so she leaves. And I look at the stove and say, it's not red. And I had, I had ring burns on my hand. But I didn't obey my mom, and I was harmed. And I had scars for that for a long time. And um, she put butter on it because she didn't know better. But anyway. And so... We need to obey, we need to hear the Spirit, and that comes from growth, and we need to obey what the Spirit tells us. So the next letter we come to, and you know, I, I fudged it a little bit because I couldn't think of a good word starting with N. So, no. Know the Lord. Knowledge. See, you can just go like that. Anyway. By this I mean, increase your knowledge of God. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Many professed Christians just read it on Sunday when they go to church. Um, and, you know, we were at a conference, and there was a study done, I learned, in 2009 called by the Center of Bible Engagement. 
And the, the study itself was called Understanding the Bible Engagement Challenge, Scientific Evidence for the Power of Four. The study found when you read the Bible one to three days a week, it doesn't change you that much. It has some effect. It has some growth. But it doesn't change you in a meaningful way. But it found if you read the Bible at least four days a week, listen to this. This is amazing. If you read the Bible four days a week, it lowered the odds of getting drunk by 57%. Being unfaithful in marriage by 68%. Man, the word is powerful. Viewing pornography by 61%. Gambling by 74%. And any combination of these habits reduced by 57%. By reading the Bible four days a week. And get this, all right? They also found that the average Christian who read the Bible four days or more a week had this effect on them. It increased the odds of sharing faith with others by 228%. Discipling others by 231%. Memorizing Scripture by 407%. So we need to read the Bible. We need to read it every day. And if you don't, commit to reading it four days a week and see what happens. Let's see what happens. If you don't, read it four days a week, say for two months, and see what happens. The next letter in the word response is D. And that stands for do. Do. Live it. And we come to James again. James 1.22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. James 2.14-17. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. We'll take care of you, see you. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You know, we see that all night. I'll, 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 I'll pray for you, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But then we forget about them, somebody in need. No, we need to do. We need to take action. Verse 17 says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And if you have faith, the good deeds just naturally flow from the Holy Spirit within you. And, and, it's, and I heard it described, it's like a, an apple tree. How can you tell it's alive? Because you can't, you know, if it doesn't bear fruit, you can't see the roots in the water, Right? But when it bears the apple, then you know it's alive. In the same way, if we bear fruit for God, we know we have faith. Um, and so, what should we do? We should do praise God every day. We should do read the Bible every day. Do get to church every Sunday. Do tithe. Do pray at least daily. Do be in fellowship with other believers. Do be forgiving. Do love others. Do exercise self-control and patient endurance. Do confess your sins to God. 
Do be ready to help when there is need. Do be mindful that your behavior is a powerful witness to others. Get that. Your behavior is a powerful witness to others. Do be mindful of others and what they see. Do share your faith with others. So now we come to the last letter, which is the first letter, and that's the letter R. And it's relationship. Repeat, relationship <laughs> from last week. With God, with fellow believers. What kind of relationship do you have with, with Jesus? You know, our mission statement to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. We want to strive to have a personal, intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know what? That requires consistency. It requires a sacrifice of time because that's the only way you can build a relationship. It requires a steady diet of prayer. It requires the commitment to say no to other things and carving out time to hear his voice. And so this is the profound part of today's message. This is the profound part. If you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, right, if you have that relationship, then all these things will naturally come to you. You will submit, evolve, submit, pray, obey, know, and do. So do you have to be that street preacher? Do you have to be that missionary in a far-flung country to know that you're responding to God in the proper way that you should? Now, this is just a short list. I'm saying this is just a start. But let's continue to evolve, submit, pray, obey, know, know and do. R-E-S-P-O-N-D. And we will have a relationship with Jesus. And if we have a relationship with Jesus, see how it works? Then we will do these things.